With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 11 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. With me today to discuss a disheartening one-all draw with Liverpool, a sent us out of the UEFA Europa League, a more pleasing 1-0 win in the derby, and of course the latest senior youth and loan news for the club is, as always, Jack Tate and special guest and Manchester City fan, Josh Lawless. Thank you very much for joining us, Josh. It's roughly 24 hours after we surprisingly beat you at the Etihad. Slipping and sliding all over the place, aren't you? Yeah, not too great at the moment when everything's a bit of a mess, really. Most of this season, I've been waiting for us to turn a corner, but it's just not really happening. We've not won back-to-back games in the Premier League since October, which is pretty baffling when we consider where we want to be and the, the calibre of players that we've got. And obviously, we were our ambitions going into the season were you know to, to win the title, and now we might have to settle for top four, and I, even that might be a tough task. Yeah, because you've got West Ham and United behind you, both one point behind, and West Ham in brilliant form. United, not as much, but there's delighted after the game but it's reignited some of that hope and United fans are coming so close to being able to just forget about this season put it behind us um, just concentrate on the cup but now one point off City and suddenly the season means something again because no matter how much we slip up it, it seems you can do it as well and, and then you look at the top of the league no matter how much Leicester slip up they've, they had a brief period in December, January where they weren't quite on 
the form that they are now or the start of the season, mm. Arsenal sip up so much that it, it didn't really matter. It, it's like that throughout the whole league, isn't it? Yeah, that's why it makes it even more frustrating for us because the quality of the league really hasn't been too great. I mean, obviously Leicester have done really well to be in the position that they're in at the moment. Um, but I think that does say a lot about the teams below them not really fulfilling their potential and playing to their, you know, capability. I mean, we've assembled a, you know, a really talented squad, but, you know, injuries and whatnot has come into play. Uh, but we've just not been, not been good enough. Um, it's a real shame because this, you know, in, in most other seasons, you know, we'd be flying. Well, yeah, a lot of people are suggesting that when Guardiola comes in, that core that Mancini built, probably, what would it be, since he came in 2011, five years ago now, that core of um, Hart, Company, Torre, Aguero, that it, it might, mm. and Silva, is going to need a little shifting because Torre is expected to leave. And in terms of injuries, Company have last three seasons, maybe four even, been terrible with injuries. Um, let's move on to, to the actual game. Not that you'll want to, Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Incredible start to his United career. That's his fifth goal in eight games. And Anthony Martial, for us, I thought was just as good as Rashford. Um, he's so calm on the ball. And he, he might, I think he lost the ball more than any other player in that game. And I couldn't care at all because everything he does, A, it, a, it just adds excitement. And that's something that we don't get. But he's turned into a much more complete striker from that left flank while Rashford's up front uh, than he was when he's up front by himself because he's now providing for Rashford as well and he's really dragging players out to allow Rashford to, to do what he did against Di Michalis who Van Hal described as sort of past his uh, day in football yeah. but, um, no one no one worse than Di Michalis on Sunday was there there really wasn't it was like it was like a dads v lads game as a lot of people said with Rashford and Demichalis and Demichalis was the 50 year old dad who still thinks he's he can put on his boots and put in a shift and he really couldn't. He got totally uh, undone by him. It was weird for Pellegrini to come out and say that the reason he took him off was because he was nervous. But the guy's a, uh, you know, an established international, a seasoned professional. So it's very strange to hear that. But yeah, he had an absolute nightmare. I personally would have gone with putting Spagna at centre-half um, to have a letter at right-back. Because the Demichelis-Mangala partnership, it's, it never bodes too well. Uh, we saw it against Liverpool um, at the Etihad where they thumped us 4-1 and again yesterday he had a bit of a nightmare when Rashford totally tore him apart it was quite embarrassing at times Rashford, Martial, Lingard I thought were were excellent and mm. I, I I do play ratings every week but before we come on and uh, there there is a good sort of average rating um, there's eights for like Smalling, Blind, Carrick, Schneidlin Martial, Rashford but really were were we that good or was it just City sort of not just Di Michaelis, the entire team bar Aguero really I thought weren't anywhere it wasn't really United playing to their best it was City playing to their worst mm. yeah I think it was a sort of a mixture of the two really I thought the first 15 minutes we actually took the game to United we got we pressed a bit high up the pitch we created a few half chances got into good positions but again our story of our season we're not really making the most of those positions and those uh, chances that we are creating and then Obviously, Rashford scores the goal. Very poor defending. Far too, you know, we get bypassed far too easy. And then Demichaelis just completely, he gets ruined basically by Rashford and he, he slips it in. I mean, I thought second half we gave a good fist of it. We sort of kept the ball ticking over well and we got we created some really good chances. I mean, Aguero hitting the post. He had a few of us where he should have done better. And I don't think it was maybe a poor performance. I mean, on most days, you know, you'd get something from that. 
But I think the frustration is because we've seen that so many times this season. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I thought we, we should have done better. We did enough to get something, I thought. But even still, you know, a team a team like us should be doing a lot better. But United, you know, they grinded out the result. Uh, they've got a lot of bodies in the way. Um, and they managed the game quite well at times. Obviously, that was good for you. But a bit of disappointing from a, from a City perspective. Yeah, for once. I mean, it, it really hasn't happened. I'd, I'd say it's probably the first time this season that Van Gaal has genuinely managed the game uh, mm. to an extent. Because although it sort of seems like a pre-planned substitution that you... You've probably noticed it as well that we seem to bring someone on every 60 minutes. And um, yeah. I think it was Valencia who literally came on. At, he, he, for for Rojo, wasn't it? Yeah, and he came on at 60 minutes and five seconds. And, and a lot of it seems pre-planned. Brought on Schweinsteiger for Mata. And although it sort of seemed a, a pre-planned substitution that he would bring Schweinsteiger on, it really did shore it up. And it makes you a little nervous. It, it brought the pressure on a bit, but... Really, it made the game the the final few minutes a lot easier without the the weakness and mm. lack of pace from Mata. Um, looking at United as, from from a City fan on Sunday, best player apart from Martial and Rashford. I thought Smalling was decent at times. I think he was lucky to stay on the pitch, obviously with a cynical foul for the first one, and then he does clip Aguero. Uh, but obviously, Michael Oliver has been a bit lenient in that case. He handled Aguero well at times, um, and obviously, you'd seen. How big of an improvement he's had this season. He's really come on, really coming to his own. Really sort of a cyclical end for him, uh, having developed so much over the past year and a half. It was October last season, I think, where he was sent off by, by, um, Oliver at the Etihad. Mm. And then he comes back and puts in, uh, man of the match performance, according to Sky and I think the United Twitter account. Really sort of cyclical end to what has been an incredible improvement from someone who looked like a, Giraffe quite often. I do think Rashford and Martial were the two key players, but I do think also Lingard, um, as you mentioned before, he really put a good shift in, got amongst us a lot. You know, he really had a go. And he just plays simple, really. He doesn't really play too flashy, I don't think. And I think that's something that United need someone who's going to put a shift in and do the basics. And he did it really well yesterday. He is one of those players who does it simple, but you're allowed to have one of those players in your team. And he he looks like he's putting in much more effort than everyone else. It's it's these young Mancunian lads, Lingard, Rashford, and they do grind it out a lot more because Mm. Lingard doesn't have the same quality as Mata. Or even, I don't think he has the same quality as Rashford or Martial, but the huge effort he puts in, that results in him being just as an important figure because someone was saying it the other day, he gets into so many positions that we notice how many chances he missed because his finishing isn't great. But the the reason he has so many chances is because his ability to get into the space and, and drag defenders out of their positions, helping Rashford and Martial. Yeah, like you say, he is a bit of a, a workhorse. And I think it was an interesting decision to put him in, in the central role as opposed to Mata. But I think it was quite similar to what Rodgers did with Sterling, if you remember a couple of seasons back, where we put him through in the middle and he sort of disrupted the team's rhythm, you know, the opposition team's rhythm, should I say. Um, and then when you've got Torre and Fernandinho as a two, um, it wasn't particularly solid in the middle of the park. And obviously Sterling got injured, meant to bring Fernando on. But obviously with Lingard playing there, I did feel that um, it sort of disrupted our momentum a bit at times and his pace and energy was sort of um, a real danger to us and that sort of helped United um, when they were breaking obviously we were chasing the game and it sort of opened up a few spaces for him to exploit and he did it pretty well at times and obviously his, 
he's really come on this season um, and established himself as a regular in the team, which is which is good to see. Moving on to Rashford and Martial. Rashford's eighth game in a row, and he, he got his fifth goal. And there was something about I mentioned that hunger a second ago. Van Gaal said after the game that he had cramp, and I don't think I've ever seen a player run with cramp before. Um, it, <laughs> it was great. It's, only an 18-year-old could do that, get cramp and be down and somehow run it into the corner. But that, that running into the corner shows his game intelligence, really. What I thought was really interesting is that Van Gaal mentioned that he's a proper striker compared to Martial and Rooney. And it was it's nice having someone up with pace up front. Quicker than everyone on the pitch, I think 34 kilometres an hour, which is, I think that's more than the speed limit for cars in my area, which is, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. He had less of the ball than everyone, apart from Sterling and Fosu-Mensu, who were both on the pitch for 20 minutes, but he still managed to be one of the best players in the pitch, touching the ball once in our own half. He really is a proper striker. Yeah, he is. Obviously, you can talk about his performance, his overall game, but ultimately he scored the winning goal. So, obviously, he is going to get a fair bit of the plaudits. I've seen him a few times um, at United youth level when I was reporting on the under-21 derby. And he played on the left in that game. Though he was quite exciting down the left, he was good to watch. It is strange to see he is getting that, that central striking role, but he has thrived. He's got great movement, particularly with his goals against Arsenal and uh, obviously Midget Land, where he just sort of peels away from the defender for the cutback and puts it in. Um, and it's frustrating, really, because we've got a lot of good strikers in that same mould, you know, at youth level, but they're not really getting the opportunity. So, you know, I'm hoping that seeing how, how well Rashford has come on at United can maybe, you know, spark, spark something for us where we can get a few of our young lads in the picture. I mean, we've got Kalecci at the moment, who's, you know, a fantastic striker. Um, nine goals this season. He's very impressive considering he hasn't actually started that many games. Um, but I think he really needs to be let off his leash, really. And, and the same can be said for a few other younger lads. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see that with Guardiola, um, where they can really get their opportunity um, and establish them. Yeah, Kelechi has been Kelechi's been incredibly impressive, and as you say, coming off the bench most of the time to get nine goals, um, it, it really is quite some achievement. And like Rashford, yeah, as you said, he's got that that pace and movement, which mm. really causes defenses a huge amount of trouble. In terms of other strikers like Rashford in the city, or or even just young players in the in the city academy, because both your under twenty one and under eighteen side are doing really well at the moment. Ha- Pellegrini's got what is it two or three months left Why, what's the point of carrying on with Wilfred Bonny who although he held the ball up well in the derby really is having a, a more of a negative impact than positive impact why not continue playing Kelechi bring other people through I think I can't remember who it was I think it was Selena who came through the other day why, why not continue mm. playing that lot it's really weird I don't understand how he's sort of negate, neglecting the youth um, so much. Now it was great to see so many youth players involved um, at Chelsea in the FA Cup, and they really they were the ones who impressed. Really, it was the first team regulars who let us down on that day. And it's so strange to see Bonnie still, you know, getting the nod over Kalechu's already. I think a superior player than him. He offers more. He takes more of an active role in the game and the build-up play. Um, his movement's better when the ball is coming in and getting those chances. So I think he's ahead of him in all aspects. But still, Bonnie's got that edge on him. And it's frustrating. A lot of City fans, they're already wanting Kelechi. 
to be a regular. He has linked up really well with Aguero at times, like when we played Norwich away in the FA Cup. Um, Aston Villa in the FA Cup, we completely tore them apart playing uh, as, as a lone striker. So it's it's really strange that he's not getting the opportunity that he deserves. But I think with Guardiola coming in, he can take him to new heights, really. Um, but a further down the pecking order, we've got Lucas Nemecha, who's a, a strong striker, um, playing at under-18 and under-21 level. We've also got Isaac Bucky Ricketts, who's another good striker um, with an eye for goal. Um, so there's, there is a real crop of good young players at City. I mean, we've invested a lot in the academy, so you'd expect that to be the case. But it's just a case of them sort of getting their opportunity and getting their run inside. So it's nice to see people like Kalecci and Bursant Salina get their opportunity. But there's still a lot of players who, you know, can do a job for the team. So I'm really hoping that that is the case next season um, with Guardiola, who is someone who advocates the use of youth, as we've seen uh, both at Bayern and Barcelona. Well, a positive result at the Etihad for United, uh, Marcus Rashford, leading us to Derby glory. And we haven't lost them, I think we haven't lost them for four games in a row about. But Liverpool, having reign unbeaten against them in four games, we were absolutely thrashed at Anfield. And then both me and you there at Old Trafford, who knows why we went. For some reason, our head said, uh, we're going out. And our heart, for some reason, said, oh, let's get one hour of sleep before your uh, physics exam. <laughs> Right, so one all at Old Trafford. Disheartening, wasn't it? De Gea, uh, Klopp said it after the game. It was a little bit Liverpool against De Gea. Six saves. He might have done better for the goal, but six saves. He, he really did keep us in it a lot of the time. After that City game, I feel a little less angry. But after getting the coach back from Manchester overnight, I, w- I was up for about three hours before I could get to sleep because I, I, I was just so angry. It was one all with two minutes left. And we, we were barely trying for the second goal. That just says something awful about us, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I was really, I was actually quite happy with our first half performance. I actually thought we we did pretty well in the first half. Liverpool always looked dangerous, but I think we all kind of accepted that that was going to have to happen because obviously we had to go out chasing the game because of how terrible our first leg performance was. It was such a killer blow that that goal, literally the last kick before half time, um, and you could feel it around the stadium as well. The the entire stadium was so deflated in the second half, and unfortunately the players did nothing to lift that. It wasn't even for me the last couple of minutes. Like it was disappointing that we kind of in the in the last few minutes we weren't even pushing for a goal. But when, even at the very start of the second half, when I mean we all kind of knew it was pretty much over, but we had a glimmer of of some sort of hope. You know, like it, it was possible that we could score three goals in the second half, and we just never even looked like we we wanted we were even interested in it. It was just it was just such a spineless performance, and it it was actually reminiscent of of the first leg. I thought uh, maybe slightly better, but. Honestly, it was just such an uninspiring performance. Yeah, I mean, first half I thought we were right, and he, even Marlon Fellaini was fine. Second half, it, it did go great. He missed two brilliant chances to make it 3-1. But first half, even Fellaini was fine. Overall, that second half was appalling. And as you say, that goal on half-time from Coutinho was a good goal. But, I mean, Guillermo Varela's defending for that. I, I, we've said this a lot. We don't like to criticise the young players who've done extremely well. Varela's one of those. Yeah, you risk it, but he, he had played well before, so I think it's the right decision to start him. And hopefully he can come back from this, because he was, honestly, he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the... Um... I had the misfortune of actually sitting right where that uh, kind of action took place, um, kind of near near towards to the Stratford end on that side of the pitch, and it really was like, awful watching him. I, like I, said, I don't like to, to criticise someone who's come into the team as a young player and has actually performed really well, but I mean it, it was it was really really bad. Um, and like you said, De Gea maybe could have done better, but we can't 
put any sort of blame on him because without him it would have been six or seven nil um, over the two legs. So no, it was it was disappointing, but honestly. Our performance didn't warrant us going through. Yeah, Varela constantly out of position. Honestly, at 30 minutes before the goal, you could tell he had to he had to go off. Yeah. And I remember Ferguson. I can't remember who it was against. I looked it up. I couldn't find it. Was it, it was? I, I, are you talking about Raphael? Yeah, when he took him off against, after 30 it was against minutes, Reggie, and he was he was absolutely destroyed by Howard Robson Carnu. I've never forgot that game. <laughs> yeah, because I started I, fighting I, on the bench, didn't he? Yeah, and I was thought of that, and he he was in tears on the bench, and he'd been taken off after thirty minutes. But ultimately, that's what makes a, a footballer. If if you can come back from something like that, that's what makes you. And I think Verena should have just Van Hal should have just forgotten his pre-planned subs and just taken him off at thirty minutes. Yeah, sure. If if he's against maybe like uh, even against Reading, I wouldn't necessarily expect that. But when you're in such an important game, you cannot afford. To give a goal away. And there was more than one opportunity that Liverpool had in the opening half before they scored due to Varela being out of position. The only sort of shining light was Rashford, Martial and Smalling. I thought Smalling was excellent defending, although his passing isn't great. But the thing is, I've got lots of notes on all the players and there's a lot of terrible ratings and stuff here. But it was the overall performance. It wasn't this player or that player because... Matter was bad, Carrick was bad, yeah, I thought Carrick was bad, I haven't seen the highlights, so this is going on what I saw. I, no, I agree, I thought it was pretty bad as well. Yeah, and I've seen other players saying that Carrick was good, but from what I saw, uh, he, he wasn't great, his defending was awful, we left a huge hole in midfield, and that, partly that hole was caused by Mata, and then Mata not tracking back, and Verena struggled with that, etc, etc, so it was partly down to the, the fault of the players, but overall... It was uh, it was a really really just disheartening performance because I can go on about uh, these mistakes and the tactical naivety from some of the players, but what really got me at the end on the coach back reading Van Hal's quotes, Van Hal said, "I'm not angry, I'm not frustrated. I was proud of my players. They gave everything. The fans also applauded." Having been in the Stretford end after that Coutinho goal at halftime, it was very deflated, and I sat there for the entire halftime, just my head in my hands. And most of the Stretford end was sort of feeling similar emotions. Twenty minutes left, and as the Stretford end always does, there was this defiant sort of twenty-minute rendition of the United Calypso. And I can tell you, having been one of those people defiantly singing, it wasn't to applaud the team, as Van Hal says, it wasn't to applaud the manager. Or the club, because honestly, they're disgraced with a lot of the things we've done. It was singing in defiance, as as always, despite the poorness on showing. It was a, a a way of making those Liverpool fans go home and making those people watching on TV go home or or go to bed that evening, think thinking, wow, like United fans, they've just been given this terrible performance from their side, no passion in two legs against Liverpool in in the first European meeting, and they've got. 20 minutes of pure singing ridiculously loud despite literally no motivation from the team and that 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 quote from van Hal just really sort of set me off and it, it's just a lack of understanding about what manchester united is about and that's probably not the the main fault that he's had because he, he sort of understood the, the thing about youngsters he hasn't understood attacking football but he's had this humor occasionally that have endeared him at times to the fans but that just it, it really started grinding my gears. <laughs> no, no, I, I'd agree. I think, yeah, I think that if we'd have been playing someone, someone different in that game and not Liverpool, then I think the reaction around the stadium would have been very, very different. But I think it was as much the defiance in the face of 
of losing to our great rivals as much as it was actually defiance towards the team and the manager. I mean, there was a lot of animosity in the stadium that I that I could sense from people around me. Um, like, like, like I mentioned, you only have to look at the amount of people that were actually still there at the end of the game to see how disheartened people were with the team and their performance. I think it was seeing the Liverpool fans jumping, jumping for joy in their in their little corner and seeing them so buoyed by what was going on that it was almost that the United fans had to respond. There was no way we could just could just leave it. But I think if we'd have been playing someone else, someone who maybe isn't as big of a rival, then that reaction throughout the stadium would have been very very different. Yeah, and that that's what really got me in terms of the actual performance. What I would have said is decreased in anger. From if we'd recorded on that coach back. Lingard, Rashford, Martial. My three best players against City. My three of the four only good players against Liverpool. And Lingard, attacking-wise, he wasn't helped by Mata. And he kept having to cover for Mata, who just drift inside from that right wing. Very ridiculous decision from Van Aal to play Mata as a right yeah, winger. Yeah, it, it really was. We were, everyone like was just so confused when we saw them line up with Lingard in the centre and Massa out, out wide. Why would you have a natural number 10 playing at right midfield and a natural right midfield playing at number 10? It, it was just bizarre. That didn't make sense. And Lingard suffered because of that. But his defensive contribution, eight tackles more than any other. And he was still going for it at the end. And the other players weren't really. Rashford, Martial. And, and the thing that really sort of defined how terrible we were Lingard, our central attacking midfielder, supposedly, don't know why, he had to come back to the 18-yard box to receive the ball from Blind or Smalling because he was so frustrated with that uh, midfield two of Carrick and Fellaini just never being able to get the ball forward. And, and another thing that sort of embodied the, the terribleness and, the, and signified how we performed was, I'm sure the vine of it has been viewed millions of times now, um, Fellaini. Receives the ball on the edge of the box. Fantastic pass. I think it was from Matter. He somehow, having had the opportunity to turn and shoot, and he might not have scored. He, he probably would have won a corner though. Somehow, having that opportunity, he managed to get the ball back to closer to the halfway line than the penalty area instead. And I think that sort of summed up the performance. Yeah, I think it did. That was the one moment actually where I really, really felt that the fans had had enough. And I mean, you could kind of sense it throughout the game. But when that happened, it was just that one moment, and it. It seemed to perfectly not 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 even sum up the game, but almost sum up the season, to be honest. And I think that's what was felt. It was just the perfect storm in a way. We were heading out of our only European Cup and not the European Cup that we want to be part of against our our greatest rivals at Old Trafford in a really lackluster performance, playing a style that has played our efforts all season. Can I just add before we move on that I do actually want to give Fellaini some credit because I thought. He was actually one of the better players on Thursday. I mean, thankfully, I wasn't on Twitter during the game, obviously, because I was at the stadium. But from what I read afterwards, after the game, it seemed like he had been getting quite a lot of criticism during it. I actually don't think he deserved it. I thought he was pretty good on the night. It was actually one of the best performances I can remember from him this season in the United shirt. Second half, it wasn't good from Fellaini. He missed two golden chances that would have made it 3-1 and, and probably would have put us with a very good chance of getting that fourth because Martial and Rashford were, getting, were, were making quite a lot. In terms of the overall performance from the team, 36% of our passes were backwards. God, you know what? I've not heard that stat. That is um, quite amazing. But as amazing as it is, not very shocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 17 shots, three on target. 
I, I can't, I cannot explain that. A quick bit on Martial, excellent performance. He kept getting into the box and a penalty, 20 year olds to deal with that tension. Uh, in, in the straight, people were celebrating like, like that was a goal. And it was probably the same celebration as a goal got. And, and to have that celebration before you've even done it, he put it away, put it away well. I mean, what else can you say? Martial was great again. Led our team alongside Rashford, and and Rashford was going for everything, chasing mini lay for every ball, and his dribbling from wide areas was excellent. Uh, so so they sort of stand stand out amongst a, a very very awful performance. Quick start on Rashford now scored more goals in his first eight United appearances than Rooney, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie, or Martial. Uh, so hopefully that can continue. Well, Martial gave his first full interview in England since joining Manchester United. Speaking to Sky Sports, it's Jeff Shreves. It was a very enjoyable interview, actually. I'll tweet the link because it just makes you smile, really. As always, he seemed incredibly calm, collected, and for the first time I heard him speak English. Um, he said that despite the cool appearance he gives off when he scores and when he misses, both things mean a lot to him and he does get frustrated when he misses chances, although he did admit that he needs to focus on scoring more like Ronaldo to improve. He also said that he likes playing on the wide left as well as up front. In other news, Luke Shaw could be fit for Euro 2016, according to England manager Roy Hodgson, who says he would be willing to allow him to stay at United if the club requests that and want to get him fully fit during the pre-season. Roy Keane says he wants to see leaders come to United in the summer, while Dwight York has questioned the mentality of this United squad. Ryan Giggs says he's become frustrated at the inconsistency United have shown this season. That was perfectly demonstrated this week, a dire performance against Liverpool in that one-off draw. Old Trafford and then a, a not a brilliant performance but a good performance against City at the Etihad. Radamel Falcao described his time at United as complicated while Usman Dembele was scouted by United while playing for Rennes earlier this week. Andy Cole praised Martial for running at strikers like Jamie Vardy does and the big news although it is very unreliable is that according to El Pais United have agreed a pre-contract agreement with Jose Mourinho that states the club will have to pay £5 million if he isn't signed by May the 1st, and a further £10 million if he isn't the manager of the club by June the 1st. Um, it seems ridiculous, hard to believe, and El Pais aren't always reliable, but um, given the way the club is run, it wouldn't be that surprising. In other Mourinho news, Miguel Delaney says that Harry Kane will be Mourinho's top target when he does come to United. Delaney is the one that reported the supposed love letter that Mourinho sent to United. Nicky Butt insists the academy is not in a poor state, but did admit it needs a mini-rejuvenation. He says he wants to create players who are well-mannered and disciplined and understand the club instead of just wanting the money, instead of simply good players. Rashford, Lingard and Fosu Menfa all played in the derby this weekend, but their teammates haven't done too well in the youth sides this week. Sunday's away match at Chelsea has been postponed for the under-21 side. Tommy Martin's under-18s lost 3-0 to Derby County, who moved top of Group 3 in the under-18 Premier League playoffs. City are top of Group 1, having won the North Division, despite not playing this weekend. And for the players in those two teams, there have been multiple call-ups for various England sides. James Wilson was called up for the under-21 side, while fellow strikers Rashford and Ashley Fletcher, on loan at Barnsley, are in the under-20 squad. Cameron Borthwick-Jackson will represent United in the under-19 squad, while Roshan Williams, who came off the bench the other day to make his debut, is in Neil Dusnip's under-18 squad. Both Fletcher and Wilson are out on loan. Jack, how have they been doing amongst the other loanees this week? I'll start off with the two goalkeepers who both had games to remember out on loan this, this weekend. Kieran O'Hara, he actually came on as a substitute for Morecambe in the 13th minute after their number one goalkeeper was sent off. And as he got sent off, he conceded a penalty, which O'Hara then came on and saved. He then made a string of fine saves throughout the game. Unfortunately, they, they did end up losing 1-0 to Leighton Orient because of a free cone goal where a clearance came off one of their defenders' backs and went in. 
But O'Hara had a great game, and actually one of the local newspapers commented that it was a game that could catapult a career and that he would likely never have a better game in his life. Wow. Uh, um, <laughs> so, yeah, good weekend good weekend for him. Victor Valdez also enjoyed a good a good weekend as Standard Liège actually won the Belgian Cup. Uh, they beat Club Bruges 2-1 in the finals. He's got probably more pieces of silverware than he would have ended up with if he stayed at United. James Wilson played 78 minutes for Brighton as they continued their run towards promotion. He had a pretty good game, forced one good save from the MK Dons goalkeeper, but didn't manage to get on the score sheet, unfortunately. Ashley Fletcher had a slightly more disappointing week than we've been used to. He didn't manage to get on the score sheet, but Barnsley did win 2-0 away at Fleetwood Town. They also continued their push for promotion, but in League One. Nick Powell didn't feature for Hull this weekend. And again, Tyler Blackett did not feature for Celtic either, as that loan move continues to puzzle me and continues to look more and more pointless. Great weekends for the goalkeepers. Blackett, just recalling for God's sake, I mean, he hasn't played for Celtic for weeks now. Fletcher, the oh. most successful of those ones. He's contributed to five goals in League One in uh, just 12 appearances, which is great for someone uh, like Fletcher on his first loan move in a great experience for him. And do we have any questions this week? We do. This one comes in from at, right, so I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's Norinho, uh, or, or Jess. Uh, I, sorry, I've, I've, I've actually, I've butchered that name, but he asks, are you happy with your second leg performance against us? He's a Liverpool fan. And who do you think will win the Europa League now that you're out? I think we've well and truly decided that no, obviously we're not happy. Uh, terrible. Uh, just disheartening and uh, lack of fight and hunger except from the local young lads and Martial. Who will win the Europa League? I thought Liverpool uh, and Dortmund and Tottenham and us were the favourites before Tottenham and us were utterly battered and knocked out. I think Dortmund will win. Uh, Klopp going back to the yellow wall and Dortmund with Liverpool. So I think Dortmund will win it. Liverpool have a chance. Klopp has, uh, has, a, has a great ability to motivate the squad to come back uh, as we've seen. Although against Southampton on the weekend absolutely capitulating in the second half. It does show, <laughs> it does show that the, the weaknesses definitely still remain. So I think Dortmund are, are more consistent uh, honestly, they're they're better, and they've got a bummy out. Well, Liverpool have Coutinho, so that, I think that shows you the difference in class. <laughs> As you said, we've discussed the second leg performance enough, and we, I mean, we we both weren't happy with it. Although it kind of started brightly, the second half was just woeful. It's hard to look past Dortmund. Honestly, they just look a cut above everyone else, and the way that they dismantled Tottenham really was um, it was something to behold, to be honest. And they they just uh, they are lethal going forward. The only other teams that I would say are perhaps in with a shout are Sevilla, who seem to just be Europa League experts. They seem to be there or thereabouts every single year, and they are the holders. So I don't know if maybe that experience will help them. I was actually thinking that letting Bilbao have a good chance, but obviously they've drawn Sevilla, so one of them will be out. But I, I would say Dortmund are definitely the favourites now, and I would expect them to win. They, they seem a cut above, and honestly, Especially you can tell from the way they're doing in the Bundesliga this season as well that they are a Champions League side. Question comes in from at Rojo Naldo, who asks, should we keep Rashford next year as a backup or loan him out so he gets more game time? Uh, it's a difficult one. We've answered this a similar question before. I said then that this season he should be put back into the youth side. He's proven me wrong. I, I just didn't want him to get burnt out like Yannis I kind of was when Moyes had to drop him for about three months at the end of the season. I didn't want that to happen. And there were signs of that at City when he got cramped and he continued to run. It's slightly risky that. So at the moment, yeah, keep him in. But 
I think we've got to be sparing and cautious. But now we're out of the Europa League, we've got less games. Next season, again, has to be cautious. He wasn't seen as someone who would come through, which is what makes it even weirder. Josh Lawless earlier said that he saw him at, at United's, uh, the, the Mancunia derby at uh, under-21 level when he was reporting there. And it's, he, he wasn't one of the ones expected to break through this season. But not even really next season. So next season, I think it depends on the manager. It depends on transfers. Say we buy Zlatan or say if we're being hopeful, we buy Harry Kane or someone like that. Then maybe Rashford's going to have to go out on loan. He's at an age where game time every single week for the senior team isn't uh, necessarily vital yet. It's helpful, but as long as next season he's not just sitting on the bench and he is getting time with the under-21s, under-18s, then I think it's fine to keep him. If he's going to just be sitting on the bench, maybe coming on 10 minutes a game, I think his point is to keep him because he's going to be prevented from playing at under-21 level. He's got to play it somewhere, be it senior level for United, senior level on loan, or a mix of senior and under-21 at United. It's got to be one of those. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's very dependent on what we do in the transfer window this summer because, as you said, if we buy a striker, not necessarily a huge name, but just someone who we think would be ahead of Rashford in the pecking order then I can't see any point in us really keeping him and, and just playing him in the under-21s all the time because then we because we then have whoever this new striker was, Rooney and Martial, all ahead of him in kind of the pecking order of the strikers. And so his game time really, really will be limited. And it's then totally dependent on whether we stay in the Capital One Cup long enough for him to actually get a decent amount of games. I think we do loan him out. There needs to be some caution that we loan him out to a club that is playing at a good enough level so that he will benefit from playing. There's no point learning him out to somewhere that, that say like League One or League Two standard because I don't think he'll learn very much from that because of the experience that he's had this season. I think somewhere either if he would be guaranteed game time, I'm not sure he would, but if he would be guaranteed game time at sort of a lower Premier League club or maybe a, a side in the championship, I think that might be the best compromise because he'll still be getting that experience and he'll still be playing enough, but it's actually going to be a, a good enough standard so that he will actually be learning things as he goes because I think playing at, at a low standard really won't do much for him. It will just teach him how to play in a completely different kind of atmosphere, a completely different style. And then if we do end up using him in future seasons, he's just going to have to completely get used to a new way of playing. So it needs to be some way he's actually going to benefit. And if we can find that place, then I would say loan him. But I'm not against using him as a backup if there is actually going to be ample opportunity for him to get some game time. So we have one more question from at Dan and Chater, who asks, is it time to move on from Rooney and let the youngsters take over permanently? And if we did decide to sell him, how much would he be worth? First question, no, not quite yet. I think Rooney wants to, to be here for once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but really wants to be here for for maybe the first time in his career. And I think we still need it. People might not see it. And yeah, he, he's had a pretty awful season, bar seven or eight games in January and February. I think it, it does depend on the manager. If, if say, if Mourinho comes in, he'll definitely want to, to keep Rooney. He's a captain, somebody who works really hard, uh, something Mourinho likes, uh, something who's footbally intelligent, if he's speaking not very intelligent. And... I think even if he's not our main goal scorer, I think he still has a part to play and I don't think people realise that. He's very important for our side. Often when he's not in it, we don't look as good. You think about these two Liverpool ties we've just had. 
Imagine having Rooney going around screaming at the players. An Evertonian, someone who's played against Liverpool, hates Liverpool. You'd have Rooney screaming about the pitch. Not quite Roy Keane style, not quite Roy Keane level. But it's somewhat, he does really help our team to function. If, if we do sell him, don't know who, who will want him really. He's not good enough to merit a huge transfer fee. And that is something else that might aid his ability to stay at the club because at United he's probably worth a lot more than he is elsewhere because he's been there so long because he's captain. At United he's probably worth more than he is elsewhere. If he goes, he's probably only true value, probably 15 to 20 million but say if he goes to China or the MLS that can shoot up to 30 or 40 million just for the name Wayne Rooney I'd agree with most of that yeah I actually think that like obviously Dan says in the question should we let him go and let the youngsters take over I actually think that's the exact reason not to let him go because we need someone I think who is there who's been through it all with the club because we don't really have that that figure who who the players can look up to uh, whether it be for advice or simply just to help them help guide them through you know, I, I guess Michael Carrick has been at the club for a long time, but he he joined when he was a little bit older, and I'm not sure he has kind of that leadership presence that Rooney has. And on the pitch as well, I do still think Rooney is does have a part to play for us. We do actually have, uh, we sorry, we ha- we have actually missed him since he went out from injury. There seems to be no leadership in our team. There seems to be a real lack of a lack of passion from the from the players really. And so I don't think I don't think he should be sold. Thank you very much for joining us for Series 1, Episode 11 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thanks for your questions and, as always, your fantastic support. Pep Guardiola might be coming, Josh, but we're coming up close behind you now. Um, where can we find you on Twitter or read some of your stuff? Yeah, it's at Josh Lawless MCFC on Twitter. And also, I'm doing a lot of the writing at Reedman City. So, it's at Reedman City and uh, readmancity.com to find all the articles and news on there. And Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter, at HarryRobinson64, as well as the podcast, at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D. It's been a very mixed week, but do you know who have really shone out? The Manx. Goodbye. Rashford, he's in here. He scores! Marcus Rashford takes yet another step up the ladder. And it's a lad from Manchester. Sports Social Podcast Network. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu.